0: We're going to be considering a passage in Daniel this evening. I have a couple of introductory things I want to say. Before that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening for the opportunity to come before you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. We ask tonight, Father, you'd bless this consideration we have. In Jesus' name, amen. So, We have been doing some stories in my Sunday school class, and I asked someone in my Sunday school class if they could say where those stories came from. Maria? Daniel. Daniel. You know, God says not to muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn in the law. And Paul says, you know, is God really all that concerned with oxen, or is he concerned with his people? And that's often taken to be an interpretation that, you know, we should provide some kind of material support for a pastor. Um, but I've thought for a while now, those that prepare the word, yes, you know, they need to be provided for, but God doesn't muzzle the mouth of the ox. The ox is the first to enjoy the fruits of his labor. And uh, in reading and studying, and it doesn't take a lot of study to prepare for a children's story, but still, in reading and studying, um, over the years, I have often found myself enjoying what I find more than what I, I give to the kids. So, before we get very far into Daniel, I want to talk about the last book of the Bible, and I want some audience participation here. So, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Ian. Ian, do you know the name of the last book of the Bible? Revelation. Say again. Revelation. Not revelations. As many, but revelation as one. And I like to say the name of the book of Revelation, because it's one, comes from the very first verse in the book, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a little bit out of context. And you may have heard me say that before, but I enjoy that. The book of Revelation is a revealing of Jesus. And you can look to the book to see what's going to happen someday, You can look to the book to see what God is going to do. You can look to the book to see what heaven is going to be like. And those are all okay. But the point of the book is Jesus. In fact, the point of the whole book is Jesus. And in looking at some of these stories from the first six chapters of Daniel, if you look at the book of Daniel, the first six are what we traditionally consider, these are the the stories, these are the children's stories that we teach. Um, The last six can be a bit opaque Uh, they are chapters that deal with prophecy things that are going to happen and not too terrible long ago I think maybe earlier this year or maybe late last year or maybe four years ago you know how time is when you get old um, I was reading through those those last six chapters and I found myself as I'm reading it's like Here's Jesus, here's Jesus, here's Jesus. Okay, here's a bunch of verses about kings and things going to happen, and I would almost be annoyed when I got to those parts. And I, Okay, here we go, back, back, here we go. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I just deeply, deeply enjoyed reading through those last six chapters, and I did that several times. Um, it, it's a quick read. If you read it aloud, it'll take you about half an hour to read the first six chapters. If you read it aloud, it'll take you about half an hour to read the last six chapters. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed reading through that again and again and again and seeing Jesus in those chapters. Seeing Jesus as he approaches Daniel and says, Oh man, greatly beloved. And considering Daniel is nobody special. Now you read the book of Daniel. Daniel is, um, I won't say unique, but he is kind of special. He's distinctive in that as we read the book of Daniel, we don't see very many of his human frailties presented. Uh, we see he's weak. Um, there, there's one passage that just it amuses me. he's standing, he 's talking to this man, and then the man begins to speak, and Daniel says, "And I was in a deep sleep on my face, on the ground. So here's Daniel, and Jesus starts to talk, and all his strength goes away. and Daniel goes, boom, And then Jesus strengthens him, and he stands. But Daniel had human frailties. Daniel was no different than us. And when I see Jesus saying to Daniel, O man, greatly beloved, I know that he's speaking if I'll accept it, if I'll permit him to work in my life, I know he's speaking to me too. I loved reading about Jesus in that back half of the book of Daniel. So all that is by way of kind of introduction Just this last time, going through the book of Daniel in my Sunday school, uh, looking at it, I realized Jesus is pictured in every single one of those first six chapters. And so I'm going to present this tonight as a meditation. I think most of you know these stories. Now, you can certainly read the first six chapters. As I said, if you read it aloud, it'll take you about half an hour. It's not a heavy lift. But as you consider these stories, you can think about these things that picture Jesus in the book of Daniel. Uh, you know, in the last half, he's just kind of there. He's hard to miss. In this first half, he is there in every chapter, in every story. If you're looking, you can find Jesus. So in the first chapter, some of these are kind of subtle. Some of these are obvious, but some are kind of subtle. In the first chapter, Daniel and his friends do not want to eat the king's unclean food. And so what do they eat instead? They eat the clean food. The food that's permitted under the law. And if you know very much about the law, you know that those clean animals, those clean foods, those sacrifices, those things they were given to eat under the law were a picture of Jesus. Daniel and his friends, they were willing to risk quite a bit to resist the word of the king, to resist the king's food. They didn't want the king's food. They wanted to feed on those things that pictured Jesus. In the second chapter of Daniel, this one is, is maybe a little bit more obvious. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of kingdoms. And the last kingdom is a stone cut without hands that turns the other kingdoms to dust, grows to fill the whole earth. Jesus is that stone that is cut without hands. Jesus this isn't really in the book, but, you know, Jesus is that rock that was cleft for us. You know, the Coney's are a feeble folk, but they find their refuge in the rock. And in Daniel chapter 3, perhaps the most obvious of them, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar would seem to be the first person in Scripture to see Jesus on the earth as the Son of God. What a thing to experience. In Daniel chapter four. This one is this one is subtle. But in Daniel chapter four, we see that Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And he dreams of a great tree. And as I as I was reading that. I saw parallels between that tree that pictured Nebuchadnezzar and then that tree of life that we see in Genesis and in Revelation. Jesus is the tree of life. And that tree in Nebuchadnezzar's stream was cut down. And yet there was an iron band put around the stump. The kingdom was made sure to him. Jesus was cut down for us, but he returned. Now, it is not a perfect picture. I wouldn't draw every single part of that and say, oh, well, that's a parallel to Jesus. But you consider that. You meditate on that. As you think about these stories, as you read these chapters, consider that Jesus is in there. You can find him if you look. Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, I thought, well, I guess Jesus isn't in here. I read the story. It's like, oh, Oh, there's words on the wall. Jesus is the Word of God. And if you read that chapter, you find Daniel tells that story from chapter 4. He tells Belteshazzar about what had happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And he made it clear that Belteshazzar had heard this and knew this. And, you know, I don't think it's wild speculation to suggest that, you know, Daniel chapter 4 was written down before. Daniel chapter 5 I think it's reasonable to suppose that Belteshazzar may have actually read that story as was written in chapter 4 or may have had it read to him Belteshazzar had heard the word of God whatever form it took he had heard the word that told the story of Nebuchadnezzar how Nebuchadnezzar was driven mad how Nebuchadnezzar was returned to his kingdom how Nebuchadnezzar magnified God from where I sit, the way I look at it, how Nebuchadnezzar became a redeemed human being and saw that not only was the God of Daniel a very knowledgeable and wise God, not only was the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego able to change the king's word, but the God of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego was Nebuchadnezzar's God. And Belteshazzar did not attend to that. You know, it's kind of popular in certain circles to say, oh, Jesus is very loving and Jesus is kind and Jesus never said a bad word to anybody, which is kind of true up until that last part when you read about how Jesus said to people, you know, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. I'm kind of reminded of Mark Twain. You, sir, are a congressman and a scoundrel, but I repeat myself. Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, kind of repeating himself. The word of God leading to salvation had been presented to Belteshazzar. He rejected it. Jesus, who will ride out and slay many with the sword that proceeds from his mouth. Jesus is that word of God. And that word appeared. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. And it's interesting to me, if you remember the word that presented, meaning. Meany, Tikal, Ufarsan. He's weighed twice. Weighed, weighed. There seems to have been multiple opportunities here. And Daniel presents one more. I'll toss something out unrelated to Jesus. Belteshazzar promotes Daniel. Makes him the number three man in the kingdom. And then in the next verse, that night the kingdom falls. And I thought, you know, that's what promotions are in this world. The promotions that men want to give you, it's like, well, that night the kingdom fell. There is nothing permanent about those things we came through. Now, I've been promoted. In fact, today we had a meeting at work, and and my promotion was announced. Uh, Mine was the only one announced. The rest were all written down. Mine was actually called out. There's... Not much of a story, but there's a tiny story there. I was pleased. And, you know, I work. Um, I try to do good work. Sometimes I actually do good work. And I'm grateful. You know, I've, if, if any of you have ever talked to me about my career before or promotions I've had in the past, you know, promotion does not come from the East or from the West, but from the Lord. And it is Temporary. It is so temporary. It is every promotion you receive is just as valuable, just as worthwhile, just as praiseworthy as the one that Daniel received that night the kingdom fell. That one's for free. That has nothing to do with Jesus. But when you consider that story in Daniel chapter 5, you have the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And the word of God is sometimes pleasant. I enjoy seeing Jesus speaking to Daniel. Sometimes the word of God is judgment on the unbelieving. Daniel chapter 6. Everybody knows this story. Daniel in the lion's den. If you look at Daniel in that chapter and how Daniel behaves, how Daniel acts, Daniel pictures Jesus in rejection, Jesus condemned. They even roll a stone over the mouth of the lion's den. And then Jesus is alive. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love that verse. It's not in Daniel. But the king comes, and I think he expected Daniel to be dead. But Daniel was alive. Jesus is alive forevermore. And I'll tell you something else I found there in Daniel chapter 6. You know, Daniel was condemned under a law that could not be changed the law of God could not be changed by man I would go so far as to say not even Jesus as a man alive on the earth not even Jesus could change the law he said you know I don't and I can't remember exactly how you phrase it now I come not to reject the law I come not to break does anybody remember how that goes? I come not to destroy the law. You know, the king in Daniel chapter 6 wanted to destroy that law that condemned Daniel and he could not. Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. But that law condemned Jesus. If you ever want to consider the perfection of the law, I want you to consider that under the law, the Son of God was condemned and put to death by those responsible for administering the law Jesus was condemned and put to death so I even see there a picture of the law I considered also the king who had condemned Daniel we think very often about the suffering of Jesus and the separation of Jesus my God, my God why have you forsaken me as Jesus was made sin for us as the father turned his face away. And you know, I don't think I had ever once considered the pain of the father. That one who had written that law on those stony tables because he couldn't write it on the hearts of the Israelites. That law could not be changed. That law could not be destroyed. God's word will not pass away. It was fulfilled. Under that law, Jesus was condemned and put to death. As the sin was placed on Jesus and the Father turned his face away, as the earth began to quake, what sorrow, what sorrow there must have been in heaven. And then what joy. Jesus said, Into your hands I commend my spirit. And when Jesus died, And that veil was rent in two. And graves were opened. You see, when Jesus died, that law was fulfilled. That sin had been taken away out of the earth. There's still more to do. But when Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. The sin had been taken away. And oh, saints... I love to consider Jesus. I love to look for Jesus. I thought, you know, there's a passage that says, "It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, and the honor of kings to seek it out." But you know what? God does not conceal Jesus. If you go looking for him, you'll find him. There's a passage in Song of Solomon that I love, where the um, the Shunammite she she can't find her beloved. And the the daughters of Jerusalem say, Well, what is your beloved more than another beloved? And she begins to describe him. She begins to consider him. She shares her joy in her beloved. And they say, Where is he? Now she hasn't been able to find him. But all of a sudden, she knows just where he is. Jesus is revealed throughout the Word. He is not hard to find. He is easy to find if you go looking for him. I will throw in one more thing for free. Um, many of you are of an age to make decisions and to consider, what should I do? You're kind of like King Nebuchadnezzar who is asleep on his bed, wondering, what will be after this? And God gives him a vision, and you know what that vision ends up with, don't you? It ends up with Jesus. If you're not sure what to do, you go to the Lord, and you ask him to show you Jesus. There's a song we sing. um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth. What should I do? What should I study? Where should I go? What should I be? How will I care for my family? The things of earth will grow strangely dim. in the light of his glory and grace. If you have decisions to make, look for Jesus. And when you've found Jesus, those other things will be easy. So, I would encourage you, as you're praying tonight, I titled this lesson a meditation. Consider those stories in Daniel. Consider Jesus. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus, the stone cut without hands. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, the tree of life. Jesus, the word of God. And Jesus in the life of Daniel. Jesus rejected, condemned, and resurrected.